Well, how are you this morning? You're good? And I, I am so sorry that Pastor Rod reminded you kids of school. I am very sorry. And uh, I, the best argument or meme I saw this summer is, uh, you know, summer's been great this year. We've had lots of summer. Uh, we just had two spots of rain. One was for 14 days and the other was for 23 days. And uh, as I've said to a lot of people, I think I saw somebody building an ark on the way here this morning. It has been rainy, but I'm glad it's okay today. And uh, if you are wondering, I get a tan by just, I, I bought this little two-seater car that I could put the top down. So whenever the sun comes out, even when it doesn't, I put the top down. And uh, by the way, I bought that because my wife banned me from motorbikes, uh, having fallen off one last summer and uh, banging my head hard. She won't let me ride one ever again. In fact, somebody from the church offered to let me drive their brand new uh, Honda and uh, Goldwing, and, and my wife said, no, you, you can't drive it. I said, but it's got anti-lock brakes, and I mean, it's so big. How could I hurt myself? She said, no, I'm not letting you ride it. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father, as Rod prayed. And uh, we look forward to what you will teach us in your word today. Uh, as the passage came together this week, I, I, I got so excited. And Father, <laughs> with this passage we're going to look at today, if there's somebody here today who has not yet received Jesus, has not yet believed in his name, Oh God, I want to invite them now to just in their hearts, in the quietness of their mind, to say, Jesus, I receive you. Uh, this sermon will make so much more sense with that. So Holy Spirit, come and just bless us with your word. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So no, I, I don't have any weird, funny stories to start off about uh, any antics with my dogs, although I probably could come up with a few, but I, I do have a question for you, and, and you don't have to answer it out loud. You can sit there and ponder it quietly. Have you ever heard any preacher or Christian proclaim, come to Jesus and your life will be problem-free? Come to Jesus and your life will be problem-free. Have you ever heard anybody claim that? I'm just giving you a heads up. If you ever hear anybody say that, turn around and run and run really fast. This is not biblical. And as we've been going through the book of Acts, what are some of the things we've seen so far? We've seen some deaths. We've seen some really serious sicknesses. We've seen people being whipped and beaten, thrown in prison. But I want you to also notice in the scriptures that no matter what was happening, even Stephen, when he's being stoned, the heavens opened up and God was there. I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you as we go through this text, please take note, please take note that whatever you're going through, God wants to be there with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to teach you and show you why and what you're going through and what it's for and what it means. Can you follow with me that way? Because I can tell you that some of us go through difficult times. 
We go through hardship, heartache, pain, uh, sometimes sickness, even death. And today we're going to see how God is always in the picture. And honestly, our problem is we don't listen. We don't listen. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27, starting at verse 13. Acts chapter 27, starting at verse 13, and we're going to go right into Acts 28.10, so lots of scripture, but it's really story, so listen to the story. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. Now they, that's the ship captain, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, this is the Apostle Paul and his gang. And Paul at this point is a prisoner, and he's put on this ship. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Has anybody ever had a storm in their life? A storm so great that all you could do is just go with the flow and see what happens. Verse 16, as we passed to the lee of a small island called Kuda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboats secure. So the man hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbar of Sirtis and they lowered because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Now, basically, the anchor was dragging along the bottom because it was being pulled so heavily by the ship and the wind. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now that is a last resort, and you need to know that, because this is their livelihood. They're not going to get paid, the crew and the captain. And they might even have to pay for some of the cargo. So on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they'd gone a long time without food, and it wasn't at this point that they didn't have food, but they literally were trying to keep it together, Paul stood up before them and said, the Apostle Paul, the prisoner, man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Remember at the beginning it said they thought it was good and so they set off. We find out here that Paul said, no, it's not time, where it's gonna be trouble. And I say this because, friends, so often the troubles in our lives, God gives us a warning. And sometimes, even with the warning, as in Paul's case, there's not much you can do about it. You're a prisoner. You're going where the ship's going. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves from this damage. But now I urge you to keep your courage. And listen to this audacious statement. Because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. 
And now he explains. Remember, we've seen how there's been visions. We've seen how God straight up has talked. Last night, Paul says, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man. For I have faith in God and it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, he said, here's a warning. It's gonna get rough, it's gonna get tough. We must run aground on some sand. Now, as I was preparing this message this week and thinking about this shipwreck, on Thursday night, I had the weirdest thing happen. And I wanna tell you, this is not normal for me. This is out of the box thing that happened. Three times, not just once, three times, I woke up and the words Matthew 8 were on my head. Well, they were in my head, not on them. If they were on, in, on my head, my wife would have put them there, I guess. So I'm going, what's Matthew 8? In fact, it took me a while before I got up and I'm doing my devotions. I thought, I'm going to go look at Matthew 8. And I started reading Matthew 8, and I thought, I actually honestly had no clue what was in it. It's not like I've memorized the whole Bible. I haven't. So I'm reading it, and if you go through it, there's, uh, there's basically story after story of Jesus going into people's shipwrecked lives and making a huge difference, a huge change. Uh, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Uh, a centurion's servant is healed, and, and that one is really cool because a centurion convinces Jesus, you just heal him from here, and Jesus does. And then he heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then he speaks about the cost of following Jesus. And then I read this passage. And I can't make this stuff up. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, now just ask the question, this isn't the first time Jesus slept in a boat. And this isn't the first time Paul has slept in a boat. So Jesus is asleep in the boat, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O oh, you of little faith. Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And I stopped and I was thinking, God, what in the world does that have to do with me? I even went to my wife and I said, so I've read Matthew 8, she goes, what's it about? I said, it's about basically a whole bunch of cool things Jesus does, and then Jesus is about to be in a storm, and he calms the storm, and it could have been awful. And my wife looks at me and says, and she didn't say, you idiot, but I want to say she said that. But she said, what are you preaching on this Sunday? And I said, about a shipwreck. And she goes, and you don't know what that's about. It's not for you, Anthony. You're supposed to tell the congregation. And I tell you this for a specific reason, not so much that we get lots out of this, but I tell you this, that God wants to talk to you. 
And he's super creative. In Paul's case, an angel visits. Sometimes a vision happens. Sometimes words just come out. And I want to encourage you on September 8th, I will be up here preaching the first series of Hearing God. But I only have 30 minutes. And we are going to be using in our life groups, and I'll be teaching it on Wednesday night. And I want you to consider, you have your device right now, go to gpac.life, and I want you to sign up for a life group or for a Wednesday night study group. You gotta go through this because the very first lesson, it takes us through how do we read the scriptures? And you go, well, I know how to read the Bible. I took didactic Bible studies and everything else. And I said, no, no, it goes way beyond that. And I can't do this on Sunday morning, but it actually pauses in the series, in the video, and you actually practice hearing God. You read scripture, and then you ask God, what are you saying to me? And then you share it with each other. I just want to encourage you. We need to hear God better. And I'm not saying we're going to get to Paul's level. I'm not saying we're going to get to Jesus' level, for I am not there. But I mean, what a weird thing, Thursday night, to wake up three times, Matthew 8. In fact, Matthew 8 was woven into the dreams, and I didn't even know what Matthew was in the dreams either. It just kept coming out of my words when I was talking to people. Friends, God wants to speak. He's desperate for you to hear. He wants to speak to you in your storms. He wants you to have such a quiet confidence that literally if you throw the anchor out and you're just going with the wind and the waves and you don't know what's going to happen, God wants to speak to you in those moments. And I can honestly say, as I've looked back in my life, I've been talking to my wife a lot, what has caused us to survive in ministry and the onslaught of Satan's attacks in our lives, because we, we've had this stuff, right? We've had the shipwrecks, we've had the storms. Uh, I've, this, my motorbike accident last summer wasn't my first. I've been in a plane crash, lost a best friend in that. Uh, we've gone through... Uh, medical issues with our children. When we were in Tumblr Ridge, oh my goodness, it was like one thing after another. It was like storm after storm after storm after storm. And I remember one of my wife's kind of darkest moments is when, and, and my wife has always been way better at hearing God than me, but there was this period where she got so discouraged and so overwhelmed that she couldn't hear the voice of God and she would put uh, music, Christian music on and she would read her Bible and she was just aching so much because, and I understand now, because in the storms, God has always spoken to her. And I want to encourage you that God has something to say to you. And you go, well, this is just really weird. And I confess last Sunday that I had moved so much into just being this didactic, read the scriptures, do this study, get what the doctrine and theology of it was, that I wasn't even listening to the scriptures for what it was saying to me. I have my own personal devotion, so that helped a little bit. And I was hearing from God now and again. Again, my own confession, I usually only was hearing God when I was in trouble. When something bad was going on, some storm was happening. So last Sunday, I was given a book to read by Ruth Ann's. And uh, if you know Ruth, she's a reader. And uh, she is a godly woman, and she likes to hear the voice of God. And I'm just going to read you one sentence out of the book that I read this week. If you expect nothing, 
you will hear nothing. If you don't think God's going to talk to you, you're not going to hear a word. What you're going to find going through the hearing God is you're going to be shocked how much God wants to speak into your life, how in the storms he wants you to make sense of it. Most often with the storm, honestly, we end with a wreck, don't we? Reading on in verse 27, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land, and I kind of wonder how did that happen, but anyway, verse 28, they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. Now what they would do is they would lower a rope with a weight on it. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Oh, I've heard the statement, there is no atheists in foxholes. And I will say, a ship is about to hit rocks. Suddenly everybody becomes religious. So they prayed for daylight. In attempt to escape from the ship, do you remember Paul's words, we need to all stay put? The sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Can you imagine? I sit there and go, how in the world did God give Paul such favor, this prisoner Paul, such favor with the captain that he actually listened Hey, I heard and I saw an angel. I mean, right off the bat, he had warned them, don't leave, and they left, and bad things happened, so the captain was listening. But I will tell you, I'm convinced the Holy Spirit was involved. So verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread, and I love this. And he gave thanks to God in front of them, almost like a communion service. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. Altogether, there was 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship, oh, here's some guts, by throwing the grain into the sea. So all the food's now gone. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground, if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they, let them, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made it for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran to ground. The bow struck fast and would not move and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. And here's a hilarious part. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent them, any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. So all of them were saved. 
He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In, the way, in this way, everyone reached land safely. So what has your life been like? Has it been a bed of roses? And I'm guessing everybody in this room has a story. Everybody has a story. And you've had some real bad storms. And you've had some shipwrecks. Uh, I admit, I, I freak out once in a while in my life, even though I like to hear God's voice. When I was first in college, and my first son, Brian, was born, I, I remember I, had, I was a self-employed painter, that's how I put myself through school, and I remember I put ads up in all the churches, and I put ads up in all the places in Regina that I could, and along came May 1st when I was out of school. I didn't have one painting job to do. So I gave notice on the house we were living in in Regina, and I thought, well, I gotta take care of my son. I can't be doing this college thing, so we, borrowed and rented a U-Haul trailer, and at the 1st of June, we loaded it up, or it was the end of the month, we loaded it up, and just as we were about to leave, and we were gonna go back to Abbotsford, I had a job waiting for me there. God had been speaking to me and saying, Anthony, have some faith, have some trust. The, the van was loaded, and my wife checked the mail, and there was two or three checks from sources I wasn't expecting, and they would have covered our rent for two or three months and our food. But I was undeterred. I had the thing loaded after all. We were moving out, and just as we were moving out, we got a few phone calls. Some people wanted us to do some painting, but I was undeterred. And I moved to Abbotsford, and I can tell you, the job that I did, it was doing tilt-up warehouses, and I was the low guy on the totem pole, and there was a lot of heavy, heavy work. It was not fun. In fact, I lost 40 pounds, and maybe I should go back to a job like that for a little while and lose some more weight, but, but I couldn't believe the weight that I lost. It was like a salt mine. It was like I was, I was a slave. It was awful. It was, I just was sitting here. I remember, like literally, if you're in a coal mine with a pick, I was going, oh, God, there's got to be something else for me in my life. This is just absolutely and utterly crazy. And there's so much more to the story, but... I started thinking, well, what does God really want me to do? And I applied to be an air traffic controller. And by the way, I did get accepted, which if you know anything about that, it's really hard to get into. But I was accepted after I went back to college. I moved my wife and family back January 1st of that year, and I began to go back to college having a really clear call from God that I was to be in Bible school. And I remember receiving the letter from the government going, ha, and I just ripped it up and threw it in the garbage. You see, God wants to speak to you. And I could tell you so many of the stories of how we moved back and all the little things that God did to piece that together. But even in your storm, even in your shipwreck, even when you've got all the anchors out and the wind is just pushing you and you know there is nothing but disaster coming, God wants to speak to you. He wants to reach out to you. And now I just had a really funny thing on. Siri came on. I must have pushed the button, and it wrote down everything I just said. So if you want a verbal thing of this sermon. 
Now, where in the world did I finish off? Oh my goodness, I can't even figure it out. Siri, you are, I gotta turn her off. I wanna hear from God, not from Siri. Man, she can <laughs> drive you crazy sometimes. What I discovered in that experience was, listen to God. It might seem like a shipwreck, it might seem like an awful crisis, but God has words for you. He wants to help you make sense of what's going on. It could be the worst of worst things. Did you know that God was in the business of resurrection? Did you know that God is in the business of taking ashes and creating beauty? Doesn't matter what your shipwreck is, doesn't matter how hard it's been, God wants to minister to you and speak to you. Verse 28 in this text, it goes on. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And I can almost imagine the cold, damp rain and they've been on this ship and they haven't eaten and they finally get on shore and they're so happy. And these people show up and they build a fire for them. I want you to understand when we read this text, and this is so applicable, God is waiting on the shore of your shipwreck. And he has a fire. And as we read on, he's gonna feed you a feast. In fact, when you read in the book of Acts, in some of the first evangelistic efforts, it's written and it says that God will give us times of refreshing. The shipwrecks are hard, the life is difficult, but God wants to speak to you about what you're going through. So verse three goes on and says, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it in the fire, and I read this story and seriously, more? A viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. He just gets out of the storm in the shipwreck. Here comes another storm. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. I mean, this is another shipwreck, people. Verse five, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. It doesn't say whether it bit him or not, per se. It just attached itself there, I'm guessing by teeth but he shakes it off and throws it in the fire. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds. Remember Matthew 8, God shows up and said he was a God. You see, Jesus is always waiting with the fire in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the shipwrecks. He's always waiting. Verse seven, it gets really exciting. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Pablias, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. So they have just been through the horrible, they haven't eaten, and they're at this rich guy's house and they're feasting. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and he healed him. 
When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. So I've had a few shipwrecks. I've crashed in an airplane, and you've heard my story while I was laying on the ground beside the airplane knowing my friend had died. Jesus came to me, and this was probably the most out there. I saw Jesus, and he came to me and said, it's going to be okay. And I've told you before, that didn't mean I was going to live. I was okay. I mean, when Jesus is right there talking to you, and he says it's going to be okay, you go, hey, that's pretty cool. I just saw Jesus. A few times, pastoring in the churches I've been in, there's been a little bit of a, a, a I, I always like to call it a little bit of a satanic disturbance going on. And sometimes, oh, this was the hardest thing for a pastor when I first started, was when people would be upset about something. Because I'm a people pleaser, if you didn't know. And when you're upset, it breaks my heart. And I can tell you, in the midst of the storms and the shipwreck, God has actually numerous times spoken to me. I remember one time he pointed out to me, have you noticed that everybody's coming to you to complain about this issue? They're all using the exact same words. It's like, it's like it's rehearsed. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. And I remember it wasn't that I started accusing them all of ganging up and orchestrating this, but I said to God, okay, so what do I do? And God said, pray for whoever's leading this. So I, I actually, have, to this day, don't know who it was. I remember one time in a church where there was a bit of division going on. I didn't know what was happening. It seemed to be widespread and disconnected, and God whispered to me quietly, they're all connected. And to you, you might go, well, so what? Then they're organized, right? But to me, I went, okay, this makes better, because I know the Scriptures teach that a little yeast, a little negativity, it can literally spread through the whole loaf of bread, and it's the Scriptures telling us not to gossip, by the way. But quietly as a pastor, I'd say, okay, what does that mean, God? And God says, there's somebody that's instigating this. Pray blessing upon him. Pray that God will minister to them. Pray that they'll have a free mind to think clearly. I was just reading in the news this week. Home Depot, we have one in town, right? Did you know the company started in 1978 in the States? It's not even that old because I'm older than that. I've outlived Home Depot, wow, I'm getting old. So the founder of Home Depot is in his 80s and he's looking at giving away his, I, what did I hear, $100 billion. It was a crazy number. And you're probably, oh, I'd love to give away $100 billion. Actually, you'd probably say, I'd like to have a billion dollars just to spend. But the story of these two guys that started it, did you know they were fired from a lumberyard? <laughs> and they went across the street and started up their own. You see, they had a shipwreck. They had a shipwreck, and I'm sure you've been there. And they wouldn't be where they are today if it wasn't for that shipwreck. You know, we don't comprehend half the time what God is up to because we don't stop and listen. We don't stop and hear his voice. And I can tell you that all things do work together for good for those that love God. Even the worst and worst. I mean, through my plane crash, over the next two years, God showed me repeatedly over and over what he was doing in this plane crash. I saw, well, I think there was about 140 people all together in all different ways that came to Christ because of that. Most people would just give their life for one to come to Christ, I think. 
I mean, God is good. He wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to show you the storms and what's about them and what's going on. And I just want to encourage you, start to listen to him. Hear his voice. And through the hearing God, we're going to give you some practical tools, biblical, God-given tools to hear God's voice. And some of you maybe have had an angel visit and you don't even want to tell anybody. You can come tell me. I think that's cool. Some of you have had visions and you're afraid to tell people because everybody thinks you're crazy. Go ahead and tell me. I'm good with it. In fact, last Sunday I had a few come and tell me a few. But I want to end with this. Three questions or three comments. Are you prepared for the storms? Are you prepared for the storms? Or did you buy into some preacher's teaching that Christianity is going to be a bed of roses, and when it isn't, you're just devastated. I thought God was leading me into this. I had a letter last week from somebody who doesn't attend our church anymore who said, I went where God directed me, and I have been devastated. And she wrote in the email, she said, I was just like you. I just was reading the word for doctrine and theology and I didn't trust anything that I heard from God anymore. And she said to me, you have changed my mind. You see, God wants to lead you. God wants to be with you. He wants you to learn and grow. Oh, by the way, I don't give up pastoring in churches as fast as I should anymore. Why is that? Because I did that once. (laughs) End up in a salt mine for eight months. So I've kind of learned my lesson. I'm really clear to say, okay, God. And in my last church, by the way, I wanted to leave two years before I left, and God kept saying, no. I have something further, and here's why I want you to stay and what you want to do. And If you want to know what God was saying, I'd love to tell you in a private story, but I learned my lesson. And in fact, don't get worried when you say, well, he's so stubborn, he just never leaves. I will leave. If God tells me to leave and go somewhere and do something else, I do that. But I want you to hear this. God wants to speak to you. And are you ready for the shipwrecks? Are you ready for the shipwreck? Ken Shimon, who passed this church before me, the only sermon I ever heard him preach, and he talked about this topic. Because we at at Bible college had a professor who got cancer of the spine, and he committed suicide. And Ken, in response to that, said, we all need to think about the shipwrecks. We all need to be prepared for them. We need to hear God, or we will not make good, clear decisions in the emotion and the hurt and the pain. And number three, God is waiting on the shore with the fire. God is waiting on the shore with the fire, and he's got some food for your really hungry tummy. Whether you start up a Home Depot, I have no idea, or you end up going overseas, or you stay in a church that you're struggling with, or you stay at a job that's driving you crazy because God hasn't released you yet. Listen to him, he'll give you clarity. He'll give you a direction, he'll explain to you why. And sometimes he's silent for a time and that's all part of the growth too because I need to grow, do you? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I think of Matthew 8, O us of such little faith. May we get to the point where we can actually start to sleep through the storms. Where we see the rocks coming on the shore and we're not afraid. Because you 
walk with us. Your Holy Spirit is said to be inside of us, and your Holy Spirit is our teacher and our counselor. The one who leads us in difficult, hard moments because you have promised that the gates of hell will not stand against the church. And I am beyond excited, God, for this principle of hearing you. And God, would you stir within all of us this, this beauty, this opportunity, this, this, this sense of becoming better. And oh God, I've so enjoyed Ruth Nelson on staff as, honestly, she's, she's, she could probably teach this course. In fact, I think she even gets frustrated with it because this is all stuff she thought most Christians understood or, or I as a pastor comprehended. But God, we need to grow. We need to be Christians who aren't tossed to and fro, but every wind and every storm but we need to have that real true anchor, that solid rock Jesus. And so Father, even now, even at this moment, I believe there's some that are in a storm. Some maybe have seen the rocks come and maybe their ship has fallen apart and they're, they're barely getting themselves to the shore and God, would you help them to see that you're there with a fire? You're there with three days of food in a mansion? and you want to restore them, you want to help them to make sense of what's going on. And honestly, just like this story, so often it seems that, that we go from a shipwreck and then a snake bites our hand and it just seems to go from bad to worse. And, and God, in this moment, as this happened to the Apostle Paul, the, the whole island ended up coming to them. Hearing the gospel, many people being healed and, and you, God, want to use us in this way. You want us to to reach out to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to those we, uh, where we gas up our car all the time or the donut shops we go to. And God, you want to speak to us when to open our mouths and when to keep them shut. And God, may we be people of this kind of intimacy with you. For this is written in the pages of Scripture. Oh, there's good doctrine, there's good theology, but there is an intimacy, a relationship, not religion, but a relationship where you lead, guide, comfort, and push back the gates of hell through all of the things we go through. So open up our eyes here today. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.